Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. So hey, it is the first time ever that me and my mother, not only Sam said preaching here, but we've never done this ever together. And so this is a a cool moment for us. And uh, thank you for saying yes. I asked her and she immediately said yes. And so we're excited to be sharing from God's word with you today. Uh, We want to take a break from our relationship series and just share a, a unique word for today. So as I said earlier to all the mothers in the house, happy Mother's Day. Uh, to my mom, happy Mother's Day. To my wife, happy Mother's Day. We also recognize that for some women, this is a tough day. Uh, you know, we know that there are women who've struggled with infertility. Maybe you've lost a mother. Uh, maybe you never knew your mother. And so we, we recognize that today for some people, uh, while most of us it is joyful, for some it is painful. And I just wanted to acknowledge that for a moment and let you know that God sees you and he sees what you're walking through. He loves you. Uh, We want to say hey to all our church online, church online. We still have a lot of people watching online. Give it up for the online church right now. We are so excited you're watching us today. You're with us today online. Uh, But we want to jump in and Uh, As we were praying and really, you know, deciding what what is it that God's putting on our heart to share, I really felt like this word for today uh, was this idea of seasons, that God wanted to talk to us today about seasons. So the title of this message today is The Season is Significant. And I think that one thing I've realized in my life is that I often am waiting for the season, like that one season, that perfect season. I, I just can't wait until that season arrives and, and then I'll feel significant. And then I'll feel fulfilled. But how many of you know that often that season comes and it doesn't feel like you thought it was going to feel? And then you start longing for another season. And so what we really wanted to encourage you today is that your season doesn't determine your significance. And I think that sometimes we get caught up in, in waiting for that perfect season But you need to hear that your season doesn't determine your significance. In fact, some of you maybe that have wanted to be mothers and you thought, if I could just get there, then I'll be significant. No, you're significant right now in this moment. It's not a season that we're looking to. It's a God that wants to do something in every season we find ourselves in. And so I wanted you to hear, we wanted you to hear, that your season may not feel significant. All right, some of you may say that. Or, Or you may not feel significant. But this season you're in is, and I believe that every season we find ourselves in is significant because God can do something if we allow him to in every season. And how many know seasons change? I mean, we are in the middle of what we thought was spring, and it just jumped straight to summer. Welcome to Sacramento, all right? Uh, I've felt the effects of the season with the spring and my allergies, some of you feel me. Uh, and, and so what's interesting is that seasons change. And so when we're longing for a season, then it changes. Sometimes we find ourselves wondering why we don't feel like we thought we were going to feel. Or when we get to the season, we thought it would feel different. That's why we wanted you to hear that every season is significant if we allow it to be. 
if we allow God to do something in us. And so we're going to read today from Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to read it here in a moment. If you have your Bibles, go there with us. Uh, it will be on the screen as well. We have a giant Bible right here behind us. We call it the Sky Bible. It's the Bible in the sky. Uh, but I want to give you a little background on this story. So many of you have heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. You've heard that story. Uh, many of you have heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, this is a precursor to both these stories. This is just before both of those events happen. And what has happened is the nation of Israel was in rebellion against God. And so God punishes them and says, I got to get your attention. And, and so he sends the nation of Babylon to attack them. And he takes, or, or, or the nation and Nebuchadnezzar, the king, take a bunch of them from Israel, from Jerusalem, their homeland, and takes them to Babylon, a faraway land, and begins, they begin to try to implement them and orient them towards a new culture. So they begin to train them and really try to brainwash them because they recognize in that day, just like we do today, that you can assimilate people into your culture and before you know it, they don't even remember who they were. And a generation down the road, two generations down the road, does not remember the former things or the things that their forefathers knew or the God that their forefathers followed. This is why it's so important that you raise your children to love the Lord. Because in just a generation, we could see a shift if the church doesn't do its job. And so this is what's happening here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who also have other names, which we're going to read here in a moment, um, and Daniel are in training. They're trying to assimilate them into the wise men of the Babylonian culture. And what happens is the king has a dream, Nebuchadnezzar, and it's a terrible dream. And he wants an interpretation because he's scared. So he brings in all his magicians, his wise men, his satraps, all these different people. He brings them in and says, hey, tell me my dream and give me the interpretation. And they say, hey, if you tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. He's like, no, no, no. You're going to tell me what my dream was and my interpretation or I'm going to kill all of you. And they're freaked out. And they're like, no one can do this. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are part of this crew because they're wise men in training. And so the, the guard goes to kill them. And they say, hold up. Give us a minute. We'll go to God. And I guarantee you God will give us the dream and the interpretation. So that's the setup for the story. Take it away, Mother. Mother's going to read it. Mother Joanne. I got you. You got to turn it on. On, okay. I did raise him. <laughs> then Daniel went to his house, and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah his companions. He told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. The da then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and he said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring them in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these to you, O king. As you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We open our hearts and our minds and our spirits. We ask that you would speak to each one of us where we are today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, Project Church. It is so good for me to be here with you and to be here with Caleb and Chrissy. Can I just take a moment and say happy Mother's Day to all the women in the room? And I want to speak to the mother. Can I speak to the mothers? Okay. And even to the women, you know, we're talking about seasons today, and as I was contemplating this word over this past week and looking back in my life, and it's been a lot of life, I realized that there have been so many seasons for me as a woman. And each one of us, man or woman, we go through childhood and young adulthood. Then we become adults. Uh, some of us marry. We go to college, whatever that is. And then we age. You guys, it happens. But in that season of adulthood and motherhood, I realized that in that season, there were so many seasons as well. I met my husband when I was 23 years old. About five months later, we got married. Don't recommend that. Um, <laughs> but we did. We got married about five months later. And 16 months later, we had this little guy, and then 18, 16 months later, we had another guy, and then we had another, a daughter, and then we had a second daughter, and so within six years, I went from being a single woman with really, I mean, I thought I had cares, but not a lot of responsibility except for myself to being responsible for a husband and a home and a family and four children. And wow, it was a busy full season. 
when I had toddlers, can I tell you that there were moments I did not feel significant? I think I went days and didn't leave the house. If I was dressed before noon, it was a good day. I mean, moms, you know. And then all of a sudden they go to school and everything changes and suddenly you're back in school and you have projects to do every night and book reports and it's a lot. And then they go to high school and we had four teenagers at one time. But I have to say, Caleb, you were such an awesome teenager. If I would have just had him, I would have thought I was kind of a perfect parent. But, <laughs> but then God, he saw that season and what I was, you know, going through. And he said, oh, I'm just going to show you that you're, you know, you need me and you're not all that great. So um, <laughs> he gave me another son who, um, who's an amazing man. But he tried me. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's watching, so you can say more. Yeah, oh, Keep I going. can say more. I, I, it's dark in here, and I can't see very well, and, and so I think he'll be in the second service. And then two more daughters. But all that to say, it was a season. And I was a stay-at-home mom for a season. I loved every moment of that. And then I was a part-time working woman for a season, raising children. Then I was a working woman. And then suddenly, one by one, they left my home and they went to college. And at one point, we had three in college and one in grad school. And there was no noise in my home and it was quiet. And I missed and I longed for the seasons that I don't know that I fully lived present in because I was looking to another season or maybe missing something in the last season. So I don't know where you are, what is in your hand, but choose to live fully present now you are in this season, and if we believe the Bible, every season is set and determined by God. That's good. So we want to give you some practical tips today. Uh, we're going to share a few stories, but we do want to give you some practical things to apply in your life as you walk through seasons. And I don't know if you caught and, and you all got excited when my mom was reading the text and it said, he changes seasons. The God, uh, our Savior, changes seasons. And as much as we want to stop seasons, we want to stay in seasons. Um, how many of you know you cannot stop the seasons when God moves you in and out? And yet, in every one, we want you to see every season as significant. And so that's really our challenge to you today. So we want to give you some practical tips in what we need to see every season as significant. So first, we need companions and we need confidence. Companions and confidence. Daniel goes to his companions straight out the gate when he finds out that the king is about to kill them, like tear them limb from limb, if they don't give an interpretation and his dream as well. And so who does he go to first? He goes to his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as they're known here, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, they had Babylonian names, and they had their originally given Hebrew names. And he goes to them. He goes to his companions, and they go to God in prayer. We know that Daniel is actually thrown in the lion's den. Why? Because he prayed. When, when there was a, an edict given that you weren't to pray, 
to any other God but the king, Daniel says, no, I'm going to pray anyways because my first commitment is not to this government, it's to our God. And that's the word for us today too. And, and he goes to God and he's thrown in, in the lines. So we know that Daniel was a man of prayer. We know that Daniel knew who his source was. And yet he also knew that we can't do this life alone. We weren't meant to do this life alone. If anything about this pandemic, uh, sh- anything that this pandemic showed me, it was that I need community. I was built for relationships. Isolation has been killing us as Americans mentally, emotionally, and this just showed us how much we need each other. In the same way, as followers of Christ, you need brothers and sisters in Christ, companions to walk this journey with. Why? Because they strengthen you. They help you. They bring you further along in the journey. If one could put 100 to flight, two, it says, could put 10,000 to flight. Do the math. That's pretty powerful. When you have some companions on your side. So actually this week I was at the gym. It just low-key flex that I work out, okay? Um, I was at the gym, and I, I don't ever try to, like, lift a lot of weight because I always work out by myself. I've been working out by myself for years. I just go, do my thing. I'm in, I'm out. Uh, I have my routine. But some guys from the church have been starting to go, and they've been, like, pushing me, like, hey, let's work out together. And I was kind of apprehensive to it at first because I'm like, no, I got my rhythm. Uh, I know my body. Like, I like to do my own thing. And, and this week, they're like, come on, chest day together. We call our, our, our workout group clanging and banging. That's what we call it, all right? So, so we get to, to the gym, and they're like, hey, let's all see how many times we can do 225. They throw on, that's two plates on each side. I haven't tried to do 225 in like seven years. And I was like, guys, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. And they're like, you got this, you got this. So they throw it on. And so I got a few reps. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't even know I could do that. And then they're like, Caleb, 245. Boom. I've never done more than 230 in my entire life, never even tried. And they're like hyping me up. So I get on the bench. And they're like, you got this, you got this. Boom, one, boom, two. I'm just got to let you know. 245 (laughs) twice at the oldest I've ever been, almost 40. But what, what am I saying? This illustrated to me the power of people. Like I had confidence because I had companions with me. I had a spotter, so if I got stuck... He was going to lift me up. It's the same way in our faith journey. So often we're trying to do this thing alone, and then we get stuck in our faith. We get, we get frustrated in our faith. We have a moment of depression or discouragement or, or doubt. And if we don't have anyone spotting us, if we don't have anyone alongside of us that we can go to and say, hey, I need to talk to someone, let me tell you, your faith may get stuck. You may not be able to see the season you're in as significant. We need people in our life. I found when I'm alone, it's easy to doubt. It's easy to have fear. But when I'm supported, when I'm surrounded, my confidence is high. My faith is stronger. My belief increases. You see, Daniel didn't shrink back in fear in this moment. He very easily could have been like, oh, my goodness, like, let's make a run for it. 
Like, I'm going to tell him that, that we're, we just need a little time because he actually told uh, the, the, the soldier that came that was going to kill him. He's like, just give us a little time. We're going to figure out what this dream is and this interpretation is. He could have said, let's run for it, guys. But no, with companions and with God, there was confidence and they trusted and God gave them what they were looking for. We need each other. We're better together. We are better together. The other thing we need to see each season as significant is prayer and patience. Caleb talked about Sam, Daniel being a man of prayer. And I love that Nebuchadnezzar gave Daniel time. And notice when he went to the king, he wasn't panicked or freaked out. He went calmly. He was very tactful. And as a result, the king gave him time, and he did two things. He went and he found some buddies, some companions, and then he prayed. He didn't panic. He prayed. And oftentimes, in the middle of a really difficult situation, one of our first responses can to be, can be to panic, to be overwhelmed, to be confused, to not know where to go, what to do. And we can wonder in this season if God is with us because it doesn't feel significant, we don't feel significant, and we do not have the answer. But if we will choose prayer, prayer over panic, it will confirm our hope in God. Hope for this season and hope for a new season because a new season is coming. God is a God of order. He put the sun and the moon and the stars in place, and he is the one that ordered the seasons. He didn't design you to live in one season, but it is constantly fluid, and you are moving, and all of the process is about purpose and what he is going to do in your life and through your life. Patience. We also need patience. He went into his friends, and they chose to pray, and they waited, and they prayed, and they rested. And it was during the night that God gave him the vision with the dream and the interpretation. Now, I don't know what that night looked like. I don't know if they slept, if they were just interceding on their faces. I don't know what that looked like. But I guess in my mind, I see him laying his head on the pillow because he was at rest and he was at peace, knowing that God was working on his behalf. He believed, he trusted, and he was patient and he waited. And sometimes waiting can be hard because when I think of waiting, the word that comes to my mind is delay. Yeah. I think of waiting room, not a fun place to be. Waiting list, not where I want to be on the wait list. But God is working. So good. I think that all of us struggle with patience. I know I do, you know, especially like I think a lot of, we have a lot of type A personalities in the building. We got a lot of drivers, a lot of people that, that want to make it happen. You know, your high capacity. I mean, I look around the room. Y'all are like crazy gifted and incredible, um, influential. And for us who who are used to accomplishing and doing and, and making things happen. When God says wait, 
I'm like, why? God says, wait. I say, why? Like, God, I'm going to make this happen. And, and you're, you're so right that this idea that of it coming in the night, the interpretation, the dream coming to them in the night as they just waited on God. I know that patience isn't something that I've always been good at. And I would say patience, you know, sometimes as a parent can wane. I get impatient with my parents. And I remember a moment when my mom got impatient with my brother and I, actually. I want to tell you guys a story. The um, I don't see that in the notes. <laughs> So some of you remember this, the good old days. My, my brother and I had a Sega Genesis, all right? Uh, this is going back, okay, back in the day. And right after we got the Sega Genesis, the first game we wanted was Mortal Kombat, all right? New movie just came out, Mortal Kombat, complete trash. Just want to let you know. But, but Mortal Kombat came out, and me and my brother, I mean, we went in, you know. We, we, we had our characters and, and he was always Scorpion, and I was always Sub-Zero. And, uh, and, and so we'd go in, and we'd be battling. And what happened was we would always get in fights while playing the fighting game. And so one day, my mom had just had it with us. And so she walks over as we're, like, physically fighting. She rips the 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 game out of the the system which you know you don't do you turn it off first mother she didn't turn it off she just rips it out and the whole screen goes that's bad i, I don't walks i don't remember this i remember this vividly she walks into the kitchen we have an island and we could see it from the family room where we were playing she sets mortal kombat this game cartridge on the counter. She walks over and grabs a wooden mallet. The fire was in her eyes. I don't know if it was of God. Maybe it was. She walks over to the game cartridge. Me and my brother are begging her, Mom, don't do it. Don't do it. We'll never fight again. She raises her arm and obliterates Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Hundreds of pieces with the wooden mallet. How many know patience is hard? I, it was actually probably from the Lord. We needed it. I have no comment. <laughs> I had to throw it in there. I'm sorry. So what do we need to see every season as significant? We need prayer. We need patience, right? Some of you parents feel, feel what, what she was feeling in that moment. What's funny is I'm starting to feel it. As I have a nine and, a, and an eight-year-old boy now, um, I, I've said to my mom before, I said, I think that the Lord uh, is just punishing me for what I put you through because uh, we're the same age as my boys were like in distance, and now I'm starting to experience it. But what we need to see every season as significant, we also need trust and thankfulness. We have to trust and we have to be thankful. Daniel receives the vision. So in the night, he's waiting, and he receives the vision, and his first response is to give thanks to God. His first response was, if you actually were... were paying attention, I mean, he goes in and there's uh, four verses where he's just giving praise to God. 
he's thanking God. He has not ran to the king. I mean, if it's me, I got the interpretation. He's trying to kill us. Like, God gives it to me. I'm like, I'm out, and I'm running. I'm running straight to the palace to be like, here it is, king. But Daniel doesn't do that. He stops, and he takes the time to thank God, to be thankful, to let God know how good he is and how thankful he is to have received from him. Daniel receives the vision, and first response is thanksgiving. I wonder if some of, some of the reason that we struggle with significance in the season we're in is because we can't find or identify the things we should be thankful for in that season. You see, it's all about perspective. And so often, all we see is what we don't have. All we see is the struggle. And God's going, yeah, there is some struggle in this season. But you would see it far, as far more significant if you change your perspective and saw all that you had to be thankful for in this season. If you want to see your season as significant, you have to start with being thankful for what there is in this season that God has given to you. He's blessed you with or he's even doing in you. You see, Daniel's trust was so high that he thanked God. He thanked him even before he'd been given the dream and the interpretation. And then he thanked God. He trusted him so much before he'd even gone to the king. Because what if he took this interpretation and this dream and the king said, no, that's not it. And yet he trusted. He trusted that God wouldn't let him down. That God wouldn't fail him. How often do we thank God in advance for what we're praying for? So today, I want to actually encourage you in this place. Some of you have been praying prayers that God hasn't answered. And it may not be a no. It may just be a not yet. And so I want to encourage you today in this house, maybe even right now in this moment, that you would thank God in advance for the prayer that you're praying. You would thank God in advance for the answer that you're waiting on. You see, thankfulness before answered prayer actually shows our trust in God. Our trust in a God that does answer prayers. Trust is surrender. And surrender is how you are able to find significance even in the hard seasons. And some of you are in an incredibly hard season. It is winter and you're cold. I know it doesn't feel like it outside, but I'm talking about the season of your life. You say, Caleb, I'm in a winter. I'm cold. It's barren. I don't see any fruit. I don't see any leaves. There's nothing green. In fact, everything I see, it's like there, there's a, something covering my eyes. I want to tell you right now that in this season you need to surrender. Because if you surrender, you will find the significance in this season that you've been looking for. I believe surrender is how you find significance. So my challenge to us today in, in trusting and being thankful is that you would surrender fully to God. Whatever season it is that you find yourself in right now. Caleb, when we posture ourselves in a position of surrender, I think it changes our perspective on our seasons as well. And it's an opportunity for us to really reevaluate the season that we're in. And I know looking back in my life, the things that I chose to believe, the things about the future determined how I navigated the present situation. What do you believe? Who do you believe in? 
if we're going to see God in our season, and we're going to see our significance, we're going to have to acknowledge him, and we're going to have to acknowledge God and give him glory. If you're going to see this season as significant, you have to have God with you first, and then be willing second to give him the glory. When the king asked Daniel if he could tell him what he dreamed and provide the interpretation, Daniel told the king the same thing that all the wise men and the magicians and the sorcerers at Babylon has said. There is no man that can do what you're asking. Now their response, the wise men of Babylon, their response was that only the gods can make this known to you, but they don't reside with men. Daniel's response was that there is no man that can answer these questions, but there is a God in heaven. That was what Daniel said to the king. There is a God in heaven. Daniel honored God, and then he gave him the glory. He didn't take any of the credit. As we go through this story, he honored God, and he said that God gets all of the glory. When I'm thinking about the seasons of life, and I look out across this room, I see a lot of beautiful faces. I see so much talent, and I see so many giftings, and I see so much life, and I see so much influence. God is working in your life in this season. You are significant in this moment, but there is much for you to accomplish and much for you to do. And I believe sometimes some of us have been in a season that has been so difficult and so hard. We've been betrayed by someone that we should have trusted. We have been used. Perhaps we've experienced loss. Perhaps it was the death of someone we loved that was a mentor in our lives, and we wonder if it will ever look the same, if we'll ever recover. Some of you may have experienced financial reversals, especially during this last year. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And when we give him the glory, we point people to Jesus. When we give God the glory, we point people to Jesus. My husband's sitting on the front row. He's been my squeeze for 41 years. Well, longer than that, but we've been married for 41 years. Good job, right? No. There have been a lot of seasons in that marriage, and some of them were joyful and celebratory, and they were easy and wonderful, but there were hard seasons. There were seasons when it was difficult and it was complicated, and we didn't know if we were going to make it to the next season. And I'm standing here today to tell you that that accomplishment and the success of that season, and we're still in it, babe, right? We're still in it. It's because of God, and I want to give him all the glory. It wasn't because of anything I did or my strength. I want to give him the glory. 
I have four amazing children. They are the most important thing in my life. I have an amazing daughter-in-law. I have amazing son-in-laws, amazing partners my children have chosen to do life with, six grandchildren. I would die for all of them. They turned out amazing, but it wasn't because of anything I did. It was because of what he did, his goodness, his faithfulness to me in all seasons. And he will be good and faithful to you. Know that no season is independent from another. They all work together. And so let's do our best. Whatever season you're in, choose to walk it out with purpose and know that it is a process that God is taking you through. No season is independent. They're his design. And what you believe about your future will determine how you walk out this season right now. In 1991, I bought a little book for my children. I love to read stories to them at night. And it was so powerful. I don't know if it was to them, but it was to me. I cried every time I read it. And I purchased four of them, which was a big deal. That's when we were really poor and I was a stay-at-home mom and buying four of anything was a lot. But I bought these four books and I put them in a file knowing that one day I would give them away to my children. I'd give them their own copy inscribed. And so I asked my son this week, I said, I have something for you. Could I maybe give it to you on Sunday? And would I have a moment to share it with our people? I just said our people. Um, So if you would allow me to take just a moment. A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. The baby grew and he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew. And he grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house and he pulled the books off the shelves, pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. He took his mom's watch and he flushed it down the toilet. And sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she would open the door to his room, crawl across the floor, look up over the side of the bed, and if he was really asleep, she would pick him up and rock him back and forth, back and forth. And when she rocked him, she would sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. Well, the little boy grew and he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was nine years old and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma came, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mom wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother would quietly open the door to his room and crawl across the floor and look up over the side of the bed And if he was really asleep, she would pick up that nine-year-old boy and rock him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when she rocked him, she would sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was a teenager and he had strange friends and wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music and sometimes his mother felt like she was in the zoo. 
But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, she would open the door and crawl across the, across the floor and look up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she would pick up that great big boy and rock him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she would sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, and as long as I'm living, my baby will be. Well, that teenager grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was a man and he left home and he got a wife and he got a home across town. But sometimes on dark nights, she would get into her car and she would drive across town and if all the lights in her son's house were out, she would open the bedroom window and crawl across, across the floor and peek up over the side of the bed and if that big man was really, really asleep, she would pick him up. And she would rock him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she would sing, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. Well, that mother, she got older and older and older and older. And one day she said to her son, you better come and see me because I'm old and I'm sick. And he came to see her. And when he came to the door, she tried to sing the song. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. But she was too old to sing it. And he went to his mother, and he picked her up, and he rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he sang this song. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy will be. And when the son came home that evening, he stood for a long time at the top of the stairs. And then he went into the room where his very new baby was sleeping. And he picked her up in his arms and he rocked her slowly back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby will be. So as we close this moment in this message, I think that that book and, and hearing it again, I'm a robot, so I fought off the tears. Uh, don't cry, Caleb. I think it was a good reminder for me when she asked me if she could share it. I said, yeah, because it's a good reminder. And obviously this is the picture of a, mother and son relationship and then a son and his child but this is a good reminder that we need perspective in every season because it can feel crazy and chaotic and tough and challenging and it can feel like winter when we want to be in summer and yet God wants to do something in us in every season and so I wanted to close by just challenging us with a few things your season is significant. Hear me, church. doesn't matter if it feels like the hardest season you've ever been in or the easiest. It is significant. But I think that there's some people in this room that are not allowing God to truly lead you in this season. And so I wanted to give us two closing challenges. First, I think there's people in here that you have not let God lead your life. 
And I'm here to tell you, you will never find the significance in every season if you don't allow Jesus to lead every season. At the end of the day, this church and this message is only about one thing, and that's Jesus. That Jesus is the way to find significance. That Jesus is the way to find purpose. That Jesus is the thing and the one that can heal your broken family, that can rewrite a destiny, that could start a new legacy. I have a great legacy, but some of you don't have that story. And so I'm continuing a legacy. But some of you in this room are starting a legacy. And I'm here to tell you, you will continue to struggle in every season and finding the significance in it if you do not let Jesus lead you. Jesus, lead your seasons. But then secondly, I think there's some people in this room that you say, I surrendered my heart to God. But you're having a hard time surrendering your season to God. And it's because the season doesn't look the way you want it to. It's because your life hasn't, hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. And I think we can all acknowledge that. You cannot step into the next season until you've surrendered the current season. And surrender is how you find your significance. And so there's somebody in here that you've been longing for the next season. But I'm telling you, it won't come until you surrender this season. You say, I love Jesus, but you're holding on to a season or a circumstance or a situation or a dream that God's saying it's time to let go. Surrender that season so I can bring you to the next one. Surrender the season that you've hold on to and, you, and you, you've tried to force into place so that I can take you into a new season and you thought it was going to look that way. But I've got a new way. Let me tell you, Jesus will always lead you to the best season. It may not be the season you saw, but it's the season that he has for you. And if he's leading you, then it's exactly where you're supposed to be. So my challenge to you today is this, that there's somebody in here that needs to surrender their heart to Jesus so you can find the significance in your season that you've been looking for. And there's second, there's some people in here that need to surrender the season they're in so they can step into the next season that he has for them. Would you bow your heads across this room? I think there's somebody here in the first group and I want you to respond either online or in the room right now. You say, Caleb, I have not surrendered my heart to Jesus. Maybe you, your season has been one where you just ran from God. You've pushed back on God. You said, God, I want to do it my way. But today, you're committing to surrender your heart, your life to Jesus. For the first time, or maybe you're rededicating yourself to Jesus a new and a fresh. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead. In the room. Yes, 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 yes. Online, I believe there's people responding. Come on, church. Make some noise. Clap your hands. You can put your hands down if you raise them. Second, heads bowed, eyes closed. You're in this room. You say, Caleb, honestly, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I know I've been holding on to a season that I'm supposed to let go of. 
Or maybe you've just been holding out for the season you want God to take you into. And he's saying, no, I need you to surrender the season you're in right now. Until you fully surrender, you will not find the significance you're looking for. So if that's you, say, Kayla, I need to surrender this season. Lift your hand. Go. Yes. Hands going up all around the room. You can put them down. Pray this prayer with me, everyone in here. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life, to make me new. I surrender my seasons to you. God, I'm not going to hold on to what I want, but I'm going to trust in what you have. So Jesus, lead me. Jesus, guide me. I'm finding significance in this season because I have you as my Savior. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Stand to your feet, church. Can you sing this song with us as a declaration that our season is significant? Our prayer team is coming, and I want to invite you. If you raise your hand for any of those things, maybe you need to surrender a season. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Our prayer team is going to be down here. I want to invite you forward as we sing and let that be your act of surrender, stepping forward for prayer. Come on, lift your voices with us before we go, church. Sing it. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.